The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio, and today we have an awesome show for you. I want to talk to you guys a little bit today about beware of the experts. We're living in a world right now where a lot of things are happening. This country is changing at a rapid rate. I think a lot of uh, the viewers to this show and people in my orbit are somewhat discouraged that the uh, course we're taking seems to be degenerating day by day. It's frustrating to see the meltdowns in our cities with the rise in crime, uh, the, the seeming loss of morality. We're, we're uh, allowing major medical institutions to perform mutilating transgender operations on our children. We're mandating vaccines that clearly have side effects in some people. Uh, we're mandating that we give them to our children without adequate research. The evidence is everywhere. We have censorship at every level, including this uh, little old show that I, I feel there's a couple of you out there, my mother watching, and it's easy to get dejected. But whenever I talk to people about they want to just disappear and go to an island and they just want to quit, I have to remind them that when freedom goes away in the United States of America, it's going to go away everywhere and that the rest of the world bathes in the freedom that we provide as the superpower for righteousness and for good. And I know that for you younger people out there, the only thing you've ever heard about this country is how ugly we are and how awful we are and how miserable we are, which flies in the face of the fact that for uh, quite a number of decades now, people from all over the world have sacrificed everything to get into this country. They continue to flood this country because they know that at least for the time being, it's a wonderful place. Now, I think a lot of people out there might think that things are lost, but they're not. If you think that we are more divided than we were during the Civil War or that we face a greater challenge to our survival than they did at the founding of this country, then uh, you just don't understand your history well enough. We've been in tough places before, and we're in a tough place now, but we're going to get out of it. And I just kind of want to point out a few things that I have learned through wisdom. I always like to brag. In general, bragging is not a good thing. My father told me when the, the really tough guys let other people do the talking, they don't talk for themselves, and I've tried to live my life that way. But I do like to brag about the fact that I am not a particularly smart person. In fact, I don't have any particularly great skills other than no no quitting. Uh, but I've been able to be successful in my life because I work hard. And my wisdom that I've gained, it's not intelligence, it's wisdom. I've lived enough life to have made some observations, and I do have some common sense. And I feel like I want to start trying to share how I see things. And the reason that this even got started in my mind is when the COVID pandemic first came around, <clears throat> I've shared this story many times. Obviously, I had a vested interest, like everybody else, in understanding what was happening. But I had a large medical practice. I had patients and staff to be concerned about. Obviously, as a doctor, I'm always concerned about myself as well when I expose myself to dangerous pathogens. 
I was studying this very closely and I had a perspective that I don't think a lot of other people had in the sense that I have a medical degree. I understand immunology. I knew what a coronavirus was. I understand how vaccines work. And I had access to information that other people didn't have, meaning I was going to hospitals and seeing with my own eyes that, uh, for example, a lot of people were being diagnosed with COVID who didn't actually have COVID and that they were basically ascribing deaths to people who died of clearly other other things. And I understand the money behind it because I've been in medicine. I've been in business for a long time. And I had this perspective to be able to see things. And so early on in the pandemic, probably about six months in, I I was thinking to myself, okay, it's clear now that this coronavirus uh, is dangerous mostly to older people with comorbid conditions, that younger people tend to be pretty safe, uh, safer than we are from the flu. So I had a similar kind of fear of COVID that I had of flu, at least as it related to me and my family. We could see clearly from the very beginning that children were largely unaffected by this. And so I felt safe about about my kids. And, you know, it, it was something that I felt that we could get through. We also, I was learning about early treatment and these things have all been proven. So I'm sitting on my couch about six months into this thing and I'm thinking to myself, man, I think we're in good shape. And all of a sudden my wife freaks out. It's like, oh my God, we're all going to die. And I'm looking at her like, what are you talking about? And she starts talking about this virus and the pandemic and it's so dangerous and the sky is falling and everything. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, not only are we not all going to die, but none of us are going to die in my family. And I started to realize at that moment that she was not seeing the day-to-day things that I was seeing and she was not able to internalize things the way that I was able to see it. In fact, what she was getting, and she's a very smart person. Uh, she's an attorney. She actually is a genius level. Or she got a 145 IQ or something like that. I mean, she's crazy smart. But she was victimized by the propaganda that was out there. And it really got me to think that we're all victims of it. Everywhere we look, <clears throat> we are getting information that, other people, whether it's big tech or the government or whatever, they want us to see things in a certain way so that we can be manipulated. And it made me realize that in order to function in this world today, we have to be able to see things more clearly and maybe more important than any time ever. But I, I don't think so. Anytime we we say that, that something's you know worse now than ever before, it's really not true. We're the same people that we've been for thousands of years. Um and we're just going to have to learn to overcome things, but we have got to learn to think critically. And we're living in a world right now where we are constantly deferring to experts. I'm not, but the, the powers that be out there are constantly trying to get us to defer to experts and best practices. Um, they, they want us to sort of seed our critical thinking to a select few in order to get us to decide how we're going to interact with the world around us instead of allowing us to make our own decisions and to live as a free people. If you haven't read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley or 1984 by George Orwell or Animal Farm by George Orwell, you really need to read it. And more importantly, you need to get your kids to read it. Because that is what's happening in this world right now. We're living in an age of censorship, of doublespeak, 
the manipulation of language to change how how we see the world. If we're in an inflation crisis, which we are, the media simply changes the definition of inflation to say we're not in inflation. There's just this constant manipulation of how we're trying to view the world. And if we're going to succeed and thrive and change course, we're going to need to learn how to see things and think critically. And I think getting your kids, I've done it. You got to get your kids to read Brave New World, George Orwell's 1984 and Animal Farm uh, by George Orwell as well in order to understand the world that's going on around us because it's happening. Now, I used to always be frustrated by this 97% of climate scientists agree. The climate, the climate change crisis to me is one of the biggest scams on the face of the planet. I'm old enough to remember a time when they called it the coming ice age. They, I saw it on the cover of Time magazine. And then when the facts didn't pan out for the coming ice age, they changed it to global warming. And then the global warming facts came out over time, and that didn't really work. So they just changed the language to climate change, which is so ridiculous, meaning anything that happens, we're going to claim that uh, it's a crisis. And not only that, all we need to protect you from this crisis is all your freedom and all your money. And it's just so ridiculous to me that anybody sees this thing. And then I see people that I think are generally pretty smart in other areas. Bill Maher, he's a comedian. He's a left-wing comedian. He's starting to come around on the COVID scam, but man, he's so up in arms over the climate scam that it makes me wonder, like, how does your brain think? How do you internalize the things around you that you see? And so I want to start focusing, at least in medicine, on some simple concepts so that we can start to sift through the the stimuli that we get, the news reports, the news articles, the things that we see around us, the debates that we have with people, and we can start to critically think and and start to change the world. Now, the other thing about changing the world is I wake up every day, I keep my head down, and we move one step at a time. When I was in residency, sometimes it was overwhelming. You had 10 traumas coming in. You had people crashing up on the floor. You had people coming in through the emergency room. I mean, it was just so overwhelming. And the older residents used to teach us, Don't think about the enormity of everything you have to do. Focus on the task that you have in front of you, complete that task, and then move on to the next task. And it was really a great way of handling things. When you feel overwhelmed, you just keep your head down and you keep moving forward. And that's what we need to do to change the world. I'm not going to go out there and, and change the world just by myself, but I can start making a difference. And I do it by doing this podcast that you know, probably doesn't have a ton of people watching it, but it's a way for me to organize my thoughts. It makes me feel like I'm making progress towards changing the world and making this a better place for my children. I spend time teaching my kids and I interact with my patients and I try to be the best person that I can be. And I know that these little things that we do, I educate medical students, I educate uh, PA students. I'm having my little impact and we all need to do that. We also need to also understand where we are at the stage of life. So I talk to my kids. The first thing they need to do is worry about themselves. They need to educate themselves with real education, not a lot of the junk that we're seeing in schools today. And I'm going to get into some of that a little later in the show. But you need to learn to take care of yourself. You need to get yourself to a place where you're able to make a living and you're living the life that you want to live. And I'm always telling my children that, 
I want them to be strong enough to care for themselves and then to have something left over to care for others. And I'm at a stage of my life where I'm able to do other things that I wouldn't have done when I was younger. And so part of getting through this world is understanding the way the world works. And sometimes that means keeping your mouth shut. Uh, and my mother used to tell me, and I, I'm sure, well, I don't know. When I was young, I used to be told by my parents, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. You need to do a lot more listening and a lot less talking. And I think a lot of that has gone now. We're, we sort of uh, have these people that have no experience in life that become leaders and start telling us how we have to live our lives. And, you know, I look at these leaders in, in Europe that have seemingly been there for our, uh, forever. Angela Merkel from Germany and uh, Macron from France. They don't have children. You know, it's like a major part of life. They haven't had, uh, the experience of raising kids and understanding problems of kids. And yet they're out there making decisions about education and they live this life that is sort of disconnected from the rest of us. The other lesson out there is when I was young, I used to think to myself, I can't stand politics. I don't want to be any part of it. I just want to do my own thing and be left alone. And what I've learned over the years is you won't be left alone. The people that you're dealing with, if you're a young person right now, the people around you that you see are not super capable in a lot of cases, they get into the government uh, and that means the government of your school, the government of your HOA, your homeowners association, the government of your city, the government of your school board, the government of your hospital, the government of whatever you're a policeman or a firefighter, and they will have control over your life with their crazy ideas. And so if you don't get involved, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And so sort of my big message today is one step at a time, keep your head down, the world will change. And I want to start to unpack the ways that we are uh, being influenced that are not healthy. And so let's start off with uh, cut number one. Uh, this is my uh, most feminist quality. Uh, you are, Bronte, a third-year medical student. You, people can find you on TikTok and throughout social media. And you have a, a website as well where you've got all of your ideas and merchandise. Yes. Yes. That would be be kind and curious. Yes. Be kind and curious.com. Okay. I consider myself kind. I am extremely curious. You have uh, done us the great honor of coming out here and gone through all the hassle that it takes to get to Tennessee. So you, you are staunchly in favor of abortion. I am your captive audience. If you had to give me the elevator pitch, what would it be? Absolutely. So what I would really like to start this conversation off with and make very clear from the start for both you and your viewers is I am not saying that you are wrong for being uncomfortable with abortion. I'm not saying that you are wrong for not agreeing with it. But your opinion applies to your body and your life alone. We are not sitting here having a discussion about our personal disagreements. I am here to educate you and your viewers on the guidelines of proper medical practice that have been established by our country's leading medical experts, and they have stated publicly and unequivocally that abortion access is essential to comprehensive, evidence-based health care. And we both want to protect life, and what remains true is protecting innocent life never involves restricting access to health care. So two questions I have from that. You mentioned that all of the person that you just listened to, her name is Bronte Remick, 
and she is a third-year medical student at Campbell University. And, of course, her her more important credential is that she is a social media influencer. And I looked her up on TikTok, and she's got over 355,000 followers on TikTok. And this person, uh, she really, in just one little snippet, encapsulated everything that is wrong with medicine today. Now, first of all, she's a third year medical student, so she's not even, she's not even a, a fully trained doctor yet. She, she is, she frustrates me in the sense that when I was at UC Berkeley in the eighties, there used to be young people there that were protesting everything and they were always angry and they were always passionately sure about everything. And I can remember thinking to myself at the time that, you know, I'm 20 years old and, you know, some of these things don't seem right, apartheid and other things, but I don't know everything that's going on. And I know they don't either. So why don't you guys shut your pie holes and do a little bit more listening and a little less talking? And we don't see that with this person. She's so right. The other thing is she starts off this debate question. They're, they're talking about abortion. So she's pro-choice and she has a pro-choice agenda. And she wants to start the debate off by saying, you are not wrong because of your opinion. You're wrong because you're not an expert. I mean, she's basically just coming out and saying, this will not be a debate. This is me educating you. And then she uses the term, all the experts unequivocally uh, say that, you know, pro-choice is the way to go. Now, listen, I'm not here. I'm, I'm a pro-life person. It's a complicated subject with me, and I've been all over the map with this stuff. And, uh, you know, we can have debates about the right to life. My problem with it has been we don't have open debates about things. They do not let us talk about what is actually happening. So there was a time in my life that I actually was fine with if this is a clump of cells and not a formed human being. I mean, I, I could be convinced that what's the harm in, in discarding or, or eliminating this clump of cells that's not yet a human being. But as I went to medical school and as I got older, it's kind of like, well, wait a second. When I see these ultrasounds and when I learn that, you know, the vast majority of abortions, you know, happen after they're fully formed babies, well, when I try to investigate that, I'm not allowed to. They pull this information down. Project Veritas, run by James O'Keefe. They do a lot of undercover journalism. They caught the people at Planned Parenthood bragging about selling fetal body parts for money and the fact that it was a very lucrative business. Where was the information sharing over that issue? It was buried. It was banned. If you posted it on social media, uh, you were removed. Project Veritas has been banned from social media. I'm not even if they even sure if they've gotten back onto Twitter, uh, even though Elon Musk has taken over. This idea that we have this open debate that all the experts agree is so not true. And it doesn't matter even if they were, because I have learned over the years that I will not cede decisions over myself, my family, to anybody, because I don't consider anybody an expert on anything, meaning... There's nobody who's an arbiter of truth. There's nobody who has all the answers. And I don't care what your position is. I don't care what your education is. You have the capacity to be wrong. 
And because of that, we will always allow open debate. And here you got this young person. And this is the real reason that I'm pointing this out is this person is going to be a doctor. She's a third year medical student. So she's on the way to being a doctor. She already has a horrible attitude about, listen, I'm not debating you. I'm telling you how it's going to be. We're not even going to argue it because the experts have already agreed that I'm right. This is not the way a scientist thinks. This is not the way an open-minded person thinks. And this is not the way a healer of people behaves. Now, you know, the other thing I would say to sort of close the loop on the abortion issue is they don't teach this in medical school. When I was in medical school, I've shared this uh, on the show before. I was very curious about everything. I wanted to know everything. I was passionate about becoming the best possible doctor I could be. I wanted to know everything. And when I was on my OBGYN rotation, I mean, I was starving and I had no, I had no political opinion about this. I had this sort of, oh, it's healthcare. I mean, it's a thing to do. I didn't really think about it in terms of ending lives and stuff. I was young and no matter where I turned, I got no information. I would ask, hey, what about this abortion thing? And they'd always tell me, oh, we don't really talk about that. And I'm like, why not? When do we do the abortions on rotation? Oh, we don't ever do that. It was always this secret, you know, you don't talk about it. We're going to pretend like it doesn't happen. And I kind of got all the way through medical school and it never came up. And now we got these third-year medical students that are out there just acting as if they have all the information in the world. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't know anything about this any more than anybody else out there. And in fact, if you're somebody who's seen a Project Veritas video, you probably know more than her about it. The fact that they are selling body parts uh, for profit, which I believe is immoral. They, there's evidence now that when they're aborting children, that they do it by sticking tools in there and ripping them limb from limb and pulling their body parts apart. Are they feeling that? They are. But we don't get to talk about it. I'm not okay with that. Even if I was okay with the elimination of a clump of cells, I'm not okay with ripping babies apart. And this whole concept that we can't talk about the distinction, that we never answer the question is, okay, if a pre, if a, a baby who hasn't been born yet is not a baby and is not, I guess, a life, when exactly does that life begin? We don't ever have this debate or conversation. It's just like, no, you won't talk about it. And they use these euphemisms, healthcare. We're denying healthcare. Abortion is not healthcare for the baby who's being aborted. And it's just this double speak. And it's this euphemism game that they use to try and end debate. And you need to learn to see it. Whenever you hear somebody say, well, the experts agree, you already know that you're dealing with somebody who's not a serious person and they're not, they're not a critical thinker. Okay. This was the kind of stuff that we used to do when we were children, right? I remember, I've shared this story, I think, before my friend Martin and I, when we were kids, his father was a physicist. My father was a naval officer. And we used to talk about what's faster, a surface ship or a submarine. And I can't even remember how it went, but I, my father believed, I think it was the surface ship. And he said it had to do with friction and this and that. And my friend Martin's father, who's a physicist, said it was a submarine who, uh, you know, there's this thing called a bow wave. And, and he deferred to his father and I deferred to my father. And boy, we used to get into these heated debates and it was like, my dad is a naval officer and that ends the debate. 
And the reason I bring this up is because you see how juvenile it is. It's no less juvenile when she's talking about, you are wrong. I'm here to educate you. This isn't a debate. The experts all agree. Now, let's take a little jaunt down memory lane about our experts. So why don't we play cut number six? You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Hey, folks. Guess you heard this morning. I tested positive for COVID. And when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Dr. Fauci says he has COVID again. If you've done the right thing and gotten vaccinated, you deserve the freedom to be safe from COVID-19. And this morning, I learned I I tested positive for COVID-19 as well. The three doses that you'll be prevented, not just from serious illness, but from getting this virus, this Omicron variant, and therefore giving it to others. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is in quarantine for seven days after testing positive to COVID. So I, I'm fully vaccinated. It gives me some comfort. Anthony Albanese has just tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, having received two doses of AstraZeneca, it's a very effective vaccine protection from symptomatic illness and therefore risk of transmission to others. Okay, so you just heard a montage of world leaders and scientific people, all people that the the elite powers that be deem experts. These are the people that you are supposed to end all debate. You don't have your opinion. You haven't earned your opinion. You didn't go to Harvard. You didn't go to Yale. You don't have a degree. You're not the premier of uh, some country. You're not... Uh, a scientist in government, you are not an expert and therefore your opinions don't matter. And they're wrong about everything. I mean, it's just in, in my world, meaning a critical thinking world, I just showed you experts who were wrong, which therefore should end the debate about do we defer to experts? Now, one of my favorite experts is always the story of Joseph Lister. He lived from 1827 to 1912. He was once the professor of surgery in London's King College Hospital in 1877. And Joseph Lister is considered the father of antiseptic medicine. And he was the guy who started to learn that if you clean your instruments to deliver babies and after surgeries that you have better outcomes and much lower infection rates. And the experts of the day, they didn't want to listen to him. Why? Well, because they're human beings. And human beings have a certain way of doing things, and they don't like being told that the way they're doing things doesn't work. And in order to be good at what you're doing, you have to change the way you do things, This the way that you're comfortable. And it took 12 long years for Joseph Lister's antiseptic surgical techniques to be adopted by other doctors uh, in of the time. And when they were implemented, the infection rate for surgeries and birth deliveries dropped from 80% to near zero, the mortality, okay? So before his techniques, 8 in 10 people would die of of infection uh, around the time of surgery. And after his techniques, it went down to zero. I mean, a monumental improvement 
in the way we practice medicine, and it was not accepted. The experts of the day tried to shut him down, just like they do today. And the lesson that we should learn from there is there are never experts that prevent you from having your own opinion and using your own mind to figure things out. And that's really what I want to start doing in terms of moving the ball forward. My little contribution to the world is let's start critical thinking again. Let's start internalizing facts and let's start evaluating things. When I was in medical school, I was actually trained to use my mind. Don't ever just accept things. When you examine a patient, you examine them yourself. You don't take the exam from another person. Right. Another doctor examines. Oh, don't worry about it. I've already checked everything. It's fine. That's not the way I was trained. I was trained. You start at the beginning and you do it all again yourself to be sure, because that's the only way you can know and to question everything. That's the way I was trained. Now, we're not allowed to question anything. We're always told about the experts. And my favorite experts are the 97 percent of climate scientists agree. This was the big one about a decade ago. Hey, I have a question about climate change. Like, uh, it doesn't seem to be getting hotter out there. Oh, the, you're a heretic. The, the, the 97% of climate scientists agree. Well, I always used to say to myself, okay, let me see the list of 100% of scientists. Because who gets to be designated a scientist? Because I can tell you that I consider myself an expert in medicine and my voice was shut down over COVID, despite the fact that I turned out to be right about every single thing I said on this show as it related to COVID, uh, but I was shut down. Uh, so this concept that the anointed experts are the ones that get to decide everything for us is ridiculous. And not only that, it's dangerous. Now, I read the articles on this 97% of climate scientists agree. And when you really read the numbers, because the people that try to invoke the experts often lie. And when you read the study, it was more like two thirds of the doctors interviewed said they had no idea. And from there, you look at the one third that actually offered an opinion. When you look at the opinion they offered, their attitude was man may, may be contributing to climate change. And from that of the, of the one third of doctors who responded, 97% of those said it may happen. It's a far cry from 97% of climate scientists agree that climate change is happening. And listen, I'm not here to argue about climate change today. I'm simply here to tell you that the concept of using experts to end debate and to get us to stop thinking for ourselves is dangerous and we shouldn't let it happen. All right, we're going to go to a break right now. I'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber on the Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to me on America's Web Radio. We will be right back. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. 
It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. Today we're talking about beware of the experts. We're living in a world right now, especially as it relates to our health care and everything else for that matter, where the elites, the people that are trying to manipulate you, keep telling you that you are not entitled to your opinion because you are not an expert and that we will simply defer all decision-making to the experts, which has always been sort of the plan of the left. They have always had this concept that a small group of smart people, mainly them, will be able to make all of their decisions in life and will live in a utopian society because these smart people are making decisions. And what we find is that stupid smart people keep leading us down the primrose path to destruction. And the the classic one I like right now is inflation. Every you listen to these elites, we're living first of all, we're living in an in an inflationary time period. There's no question by the definition of inflation, two quarters of negative growth. We've already had it and we uh, uh I'm sorry, recession. Um I think I've been saying that all show wrong. I meant recession. Uh, we've had two quarters of negative growth, so we are we are living in a recession, and we are suffering from inflation. And the so-called experts tell us, Janet Yellen and the rest, well, you know, nobody saw this coming. Are you kidding me? Everybody with a brain saw this coming. When I started business, my medical practices and things like that, I used to show up to these board meetings and other meetings to make decisions about my business. And I was embarrassed by the fact that I didn't know anything. And they would use these terms, business people, bankers, accountants, all these different people that are involved in my business. And I was ashamed to speak up and say, I don't understand anything. And what I've learned over the years is most of the time when people are speaking in a way that you don't understand, they don't know what they're talking about either, or they're trying to manipulate you. And it took me some time to realize that I don't see decision-making power to anyone based on their education, based on their position, based on their title. They have to earn it with me, and you have to earn it every single day. Just because you were right today doesn't mean you're going to be right tomorrow, and If we don't get in the habit of challenging the facts that people put before us as facts, we're going to continue to disintegrate as a country. Now, let's kind of look at some of the people that we've seen as as uh, experts deemed by the left and by our leaders. Let's start off with uh, Greta Thunberg. I don't know if you guys remember Greta Thunberg is a Swedish student, 16 year old girl with with uh, Asperger's syndrome. Uh, and uh, she was basically lecturing the world about climate change and about fossil fuels. And she had this emotional appeal about how us evil fossil fuel users are destroying the planet for her. And somehow this was supposed to influence me that this child 
uh, with Asperger's syndrome is, is somebody that needs to be lecturing me about how to behave in this world. Um, we have the 51 intelligence experts who came out and told us that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. We now know from the Twitter file release and from other sources that the Hunter Biden laptop from hell is 100% true. It shows corruption of the Biden family. Uh, they're pretty much selling us out to countries like Ukraine, like China. And the, the country just seems to kind of be moving past this stuff or ignoring it. And that's because the people in power are trying to manipulate us with double speak, with memory holding information, with censorship, uh, with changing of the language. And the more we allow ourselves to be manipulated and be dictated to by the experts, the bigger trouble we're going to be in. Now, it's funny to me how they manage to find the people, the people that put these so-called experts in place. They always manage to find some of the most broken people and then put them in a position of power. Let's play cut number four. So we really want to to to, to base our treatment and uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports, and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. Okay, so that was Rachel Levine, former Surgeon General of the United States. She's also former Richard Levine, and she is a transgender person. She uh, was the Surgeon General, and her, uh, she, of course, is a uh, so-called expert, as deemed by the left, talking about gender-affirming treatment, which is doublespeak and using euphemisms to talk about uh, child abuse, taking our children and subjecting them to hormone-blocking medications uh, in their prepubescent years, and some of them transgender mutilation surgeries where they're castrating boys and cutting breast tissues out of women or young girls and cutting the wombs out of them. We know that this has been happening at some of our elite institutions, most notably Vanderbilt University and Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire has been doing a lot of work on this. And by shining light on this, uh, Vanderbilt has supposedly shut down their transgender operation. We had the founder of the Libs of TikTok make a phone call uh, to one of these institutions. I can't remember which one it was and had the people on the phone and was talking about, you know, how young can we go and will they do this mutilating surgery? And it's all it's all on tape there. And uh, this is very important. If we don't get involved in our communities we are going to continue to see this this immoral, this unethical, this this devastating behavior, and we're seeing it at all levels of education. And my biggest beef with medicine is it's not just that we're not teaching medicine anymore. It's that the people that we're selecting to go into medical school are, are not the types of people that we used to select to go into medical school. You used to want people that had intelligence, compassion, uh, critical thinking skills, and now they want people specifically who don't have those things, that they will simply follow rules, that they will genuflect to the experts, 
that they will follow orders. And this is just horrifying. And I've seen it uh, with my own eyes. And we start, we need to start getting involved with education. Now, when I think about the way the world has turned in my lifetime, I'm 57 years old. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a world where, you know, the 1980 hockey team was a bunch of uh, college kids that defeated the Soviet Union, the evil communist empire with all professional hockey players. And this was just an incomprehensible victory. And the entire country was chanting USA. We love this country. We understood that it was good against evil. And that has all changed to now people are embarrassed to, to say they're from the United States. It's hard to that you, you can't get some young people to even accept the concept that the United States is a good country, despite the fact that people from all over the world are still trying to come here all the time. And this all happened in a very short period of time, my lifetime. And you ask yourself, did they win the, the debate? No, they didn't win any debates. They didn't win any arguments. What they did was they got control of education and they changed the way people think. Hey, David, I was getting ready to play cut number two. So one of the education situations we have here, it's another Project Veritas video of a teacher in a Chicago school. And this is the stuff that's going on in private schools. I had like our LGBTQ plus health center come in. They were passing around butt plugs and dildos to my students, talking about queer sex, using lube versus using spit. Meet Joe Bruno, dean of students at the prestigious Francis W. Parker Private School in Chicago, which happens to charge $40,000 per student. Schools have an agenda. They're completely controlled by the government. And I, you know, I always told my my wife that I did not want my kids to see the inside of a public school. Uh, my experience as a kid when I was in public school was uh, one of fighting for my life uh, every day. Uh, I remember teachers disciplining kids and having eggs thrown at them to the point where our books were never even opened. And it was just not a, a place where I could learn. I ended up going to a private school. It changed my life. Uh, I was able to get an education. And, you know, my parents, I think to myself, they spent a third of their income sending their kids to, to private school to give us this opportunity in life. And it changed my life. And, you know, subjecting your children to public school with this, with this agenda, that the government has, and I'm sorry if you don't see this, and I'm sorry if you're stuck in these public schools, uh, but you're going to have to get involved in your kids' education because they have an agenda that is promoting uh, transgender ideology, critical race theory, where they're teaching racism and they're teaching to judge people by color and by gender, uh, something that you know we've been fighting in this country to get rid of since our founding. And I mean, it's just a tough situation. They're, they're not safe anymore. At least when I was a kid, I was just beaten up with fists all the time or I got in fist fights. And now, you know, we got kids that are worried about being injured by weapons. And so no matter how much we expose the fact that this is going on, uh, nothing seems to change. And that's why you have to get involved at your school board meetings and we have to demand change. We have to get back to teaching our kids how to think critically 
And, you know, I send my kids to private school and we still have issues. I still have to get involved. And there are still uh, problems with the left's agenda affecting the way my kids think, getting them to try and accept the concept of fact checkers, getting them to um, getting, you know, you can play a CNN uh, program all day long, but if you tried to pay some, play something from a conservative outlet, you know, there would be all heck would break loose. And in order for us to change this world, we got to educate the children. And that's how we get the country back, uh, back on course. And, you know, I look at the experts that we, that we've had, these 51 intelligent experts that tried to tell us that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. We had Dr. Fauci, who's basically been wrong about everything. The guy just won't go away. We've got Rachel Levine, the transgender surgeon general, who's obviously pushing a transgender ideology from her position of power. And as an expert, uh, the left tried to hilariously put up people like Greta Thunberg, a young child with Asperger's syndrome. I mean, it's just it's beyond the pale and the end result of this is devastating in our healthcare and it's not just that the system is broken it's the people that are running the system that are broken and that's the real dangerous part about where we're at and why it's just so important for all of us to get involved and start off by educating yourselves and educating your children and thinking critically we live in a world where information is coming at us from all these different angles um, we got social media, you've got news outlets, we've got cable news, uh, we've got big tech that we know for a fact is manipulating everything. They, you know, they, big tech essentially censored the Hunter Biden laptop story during the election season. I mean, they're constantly manipulating what it, we see and how we perceive things. And, you know, when you look at President Trump, for example, right or wrong, and whether you like him or don't like him, you have to understand that there's not been one nice thing written about this person in years and years and years, and no human being could stand up to that scrutiny. None of us are great people. And so if the people in power want to make somebody look great, uh, they will cover up all of their misdeeds. Joe Biden, who had to pull out of a presidential race back in the 80s, because he got busted uh, for plagiarism and lying about his whole career. And here he resurfaces decades later, and they just suppress this stuff. But then President Trump, they have to go out and make things up. The uh, Russia collusion hoax and the PP tape hoax, where supposedly he was, uh, you know, with prostitutes and getting urinated on and all this kind of stuff. It turns out to be totally false. And so I hear people tell me, all the time, like, ah, Trump, I can't stand him. And I'm like, okay, well, give me an example of why you hate him. And listen, I don't love everything about Trump. I'm just saying that nobody could stand up to this constant barrage of negative press. And you ask people to say, give me something. And it's like, ah, you know, everything. And I'll say, well, not everything. Just give me one thing. And they can't. And a lot of what is in their head is just snippets and pieces that they see here and there. The classic one I always think when people bring it up is the Charlottesville hoax, where Trump supposedly said that uh, white supremacists and neo-Nazis were fine people. And he did not say that. I was watching the press conference when it happened, and he said there were fine people on both sides of the issue. For those of you who don't remember the Charlottesville hoax, uh, basically what was happening was 
mobs, uh, BLM activists and Antifa activists were tearing down statues because that's part of the communist takeover is to get rid of our history. They were ripping down statues and there were people that didn't want that done. And, you know, if you have an issue with a Civil War soldier in your neighborhood being up there, there's a process for that. You can have a town meeting and there's an organized way to do it. But having mobs go out and simply tear these things down, that wasn't the way to go. And I was on that side. And Trump was saying there are very fine people on both sides of the issue, meaning there are very fine people who want to tear these Civil War statues down and others. And people like me who said, no, let's not just have statues torn down by mobs. Let's have a process for doing that if we're going to do it. And the media completely eliminated what he said next. And he said specifically, I am not talking about the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis. They need to be condemned totally. And for years and years and years, that narrative was allowed to propagate everywhere, including Fox News. I saw it over and over again that, you know, you would see people on your favorite shows on that show and they would talk about, well, you know, Trump's Charlottesville comments were not helpful. And it was allowed to hang out there as if he actually said this. And, you know, this is just a grandiose one that's so ridiculous. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is. There are people that are purposely trying to manipulate you and trying to influence the way you see things. And if you don't look at everything critically and you don't ask questions, you're going to get into trouble and you're going to end up believing things that are not true. And I want to tell you that in my experience as a doctor, how this is changing your health care. And this is the thing that really has me scared. For one thing, it's destroying my profession. And I've had just the most beautiful career in medicine. It's been the greatest blessing of my life that uh, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And God did not give me the speed or the quickness. And I, you know, I'm watching the World Cup right now and I'm just in awe of all of those guys out there. Uh, just uh, unbelievable athletes and just uh, amazing. Uh, but that wasn't in the cards for me. But God allowed me to become an orthopedic surgeon and have this long career of being able to take care of people. And it has been a, a, the true blessing of my life to be able to care for people because really giving is the key to happiness. And I try to teach my kids that it's get get yourself in a position where you can care for yourself and then develop your character so that you have the strength left over to give to other people. And that is where true happiness comes from. And you know, I've been able to have that. But if I was coming out of training right now, I could never achieve what I have achieved now because the system has changed so much. Like it or not, these hospital systems are basically money laundering uh, organizations, much like the teachers unions that uh, basically confiscate wealth from the tax base through Medicare and Medicaid and they launder it to their friends in the pharmaceutical companies and in the device, the, what I call big medicine device manufacturers. Uh, and they promote, um, uh, political candidates that will continue to support, uh, more general funds going to government run entities, whether it be the VA, Medicare, Medicaid, and they continue to pass legislation that makes it illegal for doctors to engage in private healthcare, which is where real quality medicine is. And if you look at Canada's system, 
Canada has one of the most draconian systems where it's illegal to contract outside of the healthcare system uh, privately. And so when people can't get the care that they want in Canada, they have to actually leave the country with, uh, through a, a system of medical tourism. And they have tens of thousands of people a year leaving that place. Not to mention... In a free market healthcare system like what we have left in this country, it's not not as not much. It's the the life support of free market medicine. But I have more MRIs at my practice of Barber Orthopedics than entire provinces in Canada have. I had the opportunity. I take care of the professional rugby team uh, in the, in Atlanta, and during the COVID pandemic, of course, Canada was shut down. And so the Toronto rugby team couldn't live in Canada and participate in, in the major league rugby professionally because the Canadian government essentially shut them down. So the Toronto team moved down to Atlanta for the year and I had an opportunity to care for these guys. And I can just tell you that their expectation of medical care was far different than what we provided. And in the beginning, they were very dubious about, you know, when somebody would get injured, how I would take care of them and, you know, bring them in. And I would, I would work them up with MRIs. I operated on a bunch of them. They didn't have money. I did it, uh, you know, for free, um, to them, not to me, but I did it for free to them because I wanted to take care of these guys. And over time they were blown away by like, man, the healthcare that you guys have down here is so different than what we have up there. And it's like, yeah, cause you don't have anything. You have rationing up there. I'm so sick and tired of people telling me about how great socialized medicine is in places like the United Kingdom and, and Canada. It's utterly ridiculous. They have no healthcare. They deny healthcare. I mean, the, the, the national health service is an absolute joke in England right now. I mean, that I can't even keep up with it. I get bored with it to see just how many millions of people are waiting five and six months in a year and they're not getting surgeries and they can't get into emergency rooms. And the difference between the National Health Service in England and the Canadian Health Service is that in England, you can contract outside of the private health care. So people with means can actually pay for health care, whereas in Canada, you can't. And that is starting to slip away in this country. And I'm just going to tell you, uh, the the patients that I am coming in contact with more and more are uh, patients in ways that I never imagined before. And I know I've shared on the show before, I had a patient with ALS, which is Luke Gehrig's disease, horrible thing. He's in his late 30s. He's got a young family with young kids. He had some arthritis in his neck. He had an arthritic left hip. And he had this neurologic problem and he had heard about me through the rugby community got my number called me and we started trying to figure out what was going on and he had not had a diagnosis yet and i was just dumbfounded like well just go to the doctor and just get these tests and you know just i I don't understand what's happening like just do this and that and he's like i'm trying to do those things but i can't get appointments and people won't see me and and i was like blown away. I didn't understand what was happening. So at some point I was kind of like, listen, if you can make your way out to Atlanta, I'll, I'll work you up. I'll, I'll get together the, the necessary doctors and we'll figure it out. So he flew out and I had neurologists lined up. We got x-rays, MRIs, CT scans. I did everything I needed to do. I got all his diagnosis. And sadly, I had to be the one to tell him he had ALS and it was horrible. 
And, um, you know, we, we started talking, you know, obviously his wife was upset. He was upset. And I said, listen, you also have some other things going on. You got some arthritis in your neck. You got an arthritic hip and, you know, this is not happening today. And, you know, we can do some things to help you. And so we gave him some injections in his neck, sent him back to home. And I told him, listen, you can just get with your people out there and they can do your hip replacement. Couple months go by, my phone goes off and it's a text from him and he says, I'm with the number one hip guy in my state and he says there's nothing wrong with my hip and that people with hips that look like mine are running triathlons. And I'm thinking to myself, like I hadn't seen this guy in a while, but man, he had obvious bone on bone arthritis and he obviously was a candidate for hip replacement. So I left what I was doing. I sat down at my computer. I pulled up his x-ray and clear as day, you could see his left hip was arthritic and bone on bone. And so I annotated on it. I, you know, I drew some lines and showed some joint space. I went over to his other hip and I showed uh, the fact that he had joint space and I'm, you know, I sent him a text picture of it. And I said, you see how on your right hip you got all the joint space and how it looks this way and that way? And I go, you see on your left hip it's bone on bone and you got the spurs and the cysts and all this. And he's like, yeah, I see that. And I'm like, okay, well, the guy you're seeing right now, he sees it too. He just doesn't want to take care of you. And this is direct, directly related to the socialization of medicine. I'm telling you as a human being, it is brutal. I'm getting choked up a little bit right now and I'm getting goose flesh thinking about having to tell this guy that he had ALS and I didn't like it. I always joke to my friends and my family about I became an orthopedic surgeon because I don't really have it in me to share bad news with people. And, you know, orthopedic surgeons, I'm mostly doing sports and, you know, the worst thing I ever have to tell somebody is like, ah, oh, you know, you can't play tennis as often. To tell somebody they have something like ALS or to tell a parent that their child has cancer is a brutal thing. And there are people out there that have the ability to do that, but we are not selecting out for them. When people apply to medical school, we are selecting for people that say, you don't have a right to make a, ask any questions because the experts have decided that this is the way it's going to be. We just had the lady I was telling you about that had the nickel allergy to her knee. So knee replacements have metal in them and they almost always have some nickel in there, and it's actually not as uncommon as we once thought for people to have pretty significant allergies to the nickel. And I know I've shared on this show before, I've, I had a patient in the past and uh, that I took care of, and it was very difficult to take care of them. And, um, you know, I my name ended up on a website. This lady found me from Ohio, same type of thing. She got the knee. She was deathly allergic. Her hair was falling out. Her throat was closing, and she couldn't get anybody to treat her. And she ended up having to come here, and I ended up taking care of it. And now she's doing very well. And now I'm under the task of trying to find a knee that doesn't have any nickel in it, and it's very difficult. Listen, we got a lot of problems in this country. It starts with teaching our children and educating them to be moral, to be critical thinkers, to ask questions. Don't defer to fact checkers and don't defer to experts. I got a lot more I didn't get to on this show. We'll pick it up next time. I want to thank you guys for listening to uh, the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.